Well, to set the stage for our uh, time together today, this story takes place eight days after the resurrection, 11 days after the Lord's Supper, which we discussed in one of our previous uh, messages in this series. And uh, the Lord has met with the disciples twice in this time. So this is the third appearance uh, that Jesus makes to his disciples after the resurrection. Uh, and as you know, you know, uh, you may remember that uh, Peter had denied the Lord, you know, just denied knowing him, and it was a very famous thing, and he promised he would never betray Jesus, and yet he he did, and he failed spectacularly. So let me just say that if you've ever failed spectacularly, then you're going to relate to today's message because that's probably exactly how Peter was feeling. So uh, Peter and the rest of the disciples, they were a bit stymied as to what they should be doing. Jesus had risen from the dead, uh, come to them twice, and he, and he, and he uh, said, uh, you know, that he had plans for them, and so they weren't sure what to do. So they went back, and they were fishing, and that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna pick it up at today. We're in John chapter twenty one. We'll begin reading at verse one. It says afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way: Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, "We'll go with you." So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. Lord, we pray that you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning and God just show us what you'd have us learn today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was common practice for fishermen in that day to fish in the evening, in the night. The cooling waters would draw the fish to the surface, and sometimes they would use lanterns, and sometimes they would use torches to, to kind of cause the fish to uh, rise to the surface, and they would use nets to draw in the fish. Um, they would use these large weighted nets, and sometimes they would, they would spread them between two boats and, and kind of go towards shore and, and catch them. And, and, uh, but they had done that this night and had caught nothing. And, uh, you know, you can just imagine, I mean, you know, the, how Peter was feeling. You ever had that feeling where it just seems like nothing you do ever seems right? It just, everything seems to fail. It never goes right for you. Maybe you've made this statement, when it rains, all right, how about this one? If I had no bad, if I had no, if it weren't for bad luck, let me try it again. If it weren't for bad luck, look at all those hee-haw people. You're hee-haw people. You are hee-haw people. You can't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's how Peter was feeling. It's like, every, I mean, I, I go out to fish. I'm a good fisherman, and I can't even catch a single fish. So they're all out there, and all of a sudden, this stranger on the beach calls out to him, and they say, hey, is that Jesus? Could it, could it be Jesus? Now, mind you, Jesus could have walked out to them uh, on the water, right? He'd done that before, uh, but he didn't. He could have just appeared in the boat, he had done that even after the resurrection in the upper room, but he didn't do that. Instead, he called out to his disciples and invited them to join him for breakfast. And of course, Peter jumps into the water and he swims to shore. The other disciples come as, as quickly as they could. So you can just kind of in your mind's eye envision what's going on. The glistening of the Sea of Galilee was in the background. Peter's there dripping wet. The other disciples are kind of damp from being out in the boat all night. They were likely exhausted, 
confused, a little bit stymied to find Jesus on the beach making breakfast. Verse nine, it says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. So just, just imagine here, a breakfast on the beach, grilled fish, warm bread. You just worked an all-nighter. You're, the, the sun is rising. You're hanging with your friends on the beach and you're about to have breakfast with the Messiah. I mean, what a day. If you look at the meal that Jesus provided, it wasn't anything fancy, uh, just some fresh fish and warm bread. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not my choice for breakfast. I prefer eggs and sausage, but I don't think you're going to find any Jewish person serving sausage for breakfast. So they had warm bread and fish. <clears throat> so you can only imagine the emotions the disciples must have had as they're here. Uh, they probably, quite frankly, were emotionally and physically exhausted. Uh, they had already encountered Jesus twice. You know, he'd walked through walls and had said, peace be still, and somehow that did bring them peace. But he'd given them a vision for their future. He said, just as the Father sent me, so am I sending you. So they had their marching orders, but they weren't sure, what does that mean? Where do I go from here? You're just not sure what to do. And that's where they were. Now, I don't think that, the significance of this story is in what they had for breakfast, but rather it was who served it. God himself made breakfast for the disciples. I just find that the reason I had to include this particular story in this Meals with Jesus, because you know it's not often in the Bible that you see that God actually cooked the breakfast for somebody or the meal, but he did. It shows us the fact that, hey, Jesus cares about nourishing his children spiritually and physically and especially those who'd lost sight of his grace. And that's kind of where they were here. So this, this breakfast had to be especially meaningful to Peter because you remember just days prior to this, just, just a few days before the crucifixion, Peter made a terrible mistake. Let me read you the story. Luke chapter 22, verse 55, it says, And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter blew it big time. He knew what he had done and his heart was broken over it. He had denied Jesus. He had denied even knowing Jesus. One of his closest friends after all that Jesus had done for Peter. And then Peter just rejects him in this way. So I'm sure here at this breakfast, Peter is just feeling terrible for having denied Jesus. And so Jesus uses 
this meal as a perfect opportunity to reassure Peter that he still loved him. And you know, mealtimes can be a great time to reconnect. Uh, Peter needed reassurance from Jesus that their relationship was still intact, that they were okay. I mean, three times Peter had denied Jesus, and then over this breakfast, three times the Lord allows Jesus, or the Lord allows Peter to express his love to Jesus. Let me ask you something. Is there someone in your life that you need to reconnect with? Is there someone in your life that there was an incident, there was that time, that moment, those words, that situation that arose and it created a problem, a rift. Maybe, maybe it just was the end of the relationship. Uh, and you're not even sure if you're friends anymore and you certainly don't act like family anymore. You know, I think we can use the story that we're reading here today as, as a time for us to think this through. Perhaps it's time to reach out like Jesus called out to the disciples on the boat. Maybe in our vernacular, we would say, maybe it's time for us to pick up the phone or send the email or send the text to invite somebody to breakfast and break the ice. I love the fact in this story that it was Jesus who initiated the conversation, even though he had done nothing wrong, right? <clears throat> so many times when a relationship gets broken in our lives, we think, well, I'm not the one that did, I'm not the offender here. I'm the one who was offended. I'm not the one who did anything wrong. They're the ones who did something wrong. So if this relationship is going to be restored, they need to contact me. And if they don't contact me, well, then I'm not going to do anything. And I love the fact that Jesus modeled for us here that he's the one who initiated the conversation. He took the first step. Jesus created a safe space, a non-threatening environment where a deeper conversation could be had. So the beauty behind using a meal to reconnect is the fact that you can kind of let the conversation develop naturally. You can talk about the food, the weather, the waiter, whatever you want to, until the time is right for the deeper conversation to be had. And sometimes it doesn't happen in the first meal. Sometimes it happens in the second or third. You just wait for the door to open and for the conversation to develop. I have heard so many sad stories of families who've drifted apart because of some unfortunate situation, some incident. Parents who haven't talked to their kids in years. Kids who haven't talked to their siblings. Grandparents who don't get to see their grandkids. And this is sad that we've allowed pride and resentment and greed to create rifts in relationships. And then nothing has been done to mend these relationships. My friends, life is too short to hold grudges. Forgiveness can be hard, but Jesus tells us that we are to forgive. Jesus modeled forgiveness. You say, well, I tried. Well, then keep trying, keep praying, keep reaching out. I mean, Jesus in this story gives us a, a good model to follow here. And I don't think it's necessarily the main point of the message, uh, you know, is, is about many relationships, but I think, I think we can glean some good insights here. 
So I was thinking about it this week. Uh, the first insight I see is this, is that reach out and love even if you've been rejected. John 21, verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Jesus made the initial connection. Jesus went to Peter and the other disciples. Jesus had done nothing wrong. He was not the offender. Peter is the one who had denied the Lord. Peter is the one who broke his word. At a time when his closest friends should have stood with him, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. You remember what Peter told Jesus just a few days prior to breakfast on the beach? Matthew 26, verse 31 tells us. It says, then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Peter was adamant. He would never disown Jesus. And yet, just as Jesus predicted, Peter disowned the Lord three times. And I know Peter felt horrible about it. That rooster crowed. Jesus looked at Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter. Peter looked at Jesus. And Peter realized what he had done. And it says he wept bitterly. Peter felt like a failure. He probably wondered if Jesus would ever forgive him for the things he had done. Peter was so disappointed in himself. He, he was just, he probably asked that question, how could I be so stupid? You ever asked that question? You ever done that? <laughs> Peter messed up and he knew it. But what could he do now? I think Jesus knew Peter's internal struggles. And he wanted to reassure Peter that, hey, I still love you. So through a series of thoughtful questions, Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to express his love back to Jesus. So continuing in the text, John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now, after the disciples finished eating uh, on the shore that day, Jesus asked Peter whether he loved him more than these. And Peter expressed his love for Jesus. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I think in a roundabout way, it was Jesus' way of letting Peter know we're all good now. We're all good now. Yes, the mistakes you made were real mistakes, but that was yesterday. Now you must take your eyes off of yesterday and focus them on tomorrow. He said, feed my sheep. That, that happens in the future. That comes tomorrow. Tomorrow, there are going to be multitudes who need to hear about 
me. They need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the word of God. Peter, you feed them. Feed my sheep. And Jesus commissioned Peter to lead the New Testament church. He put him back in the game after he had blown it. I think, I think Peter understood what Jesus was saying here. It was Jesus' way of saying you're forgiven. It's time to move forward. Stop rehashing the past and looking back at what you did and start looking to the future. And can I say that if you're in the middle of a strained relationship, then follow the example of Jesus. Reach out in love and seek to mend the relationship. Whether you're the offender or the offended, make the connection, forgive one another, and move forward in love. How much more time are you going to allow to go past with a broken relationship, not speaking to your family or these friends? Second insight we can see here is we need to be willing to listen to the other person with an open mind and heart. Verse 17, then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus let Peter express his heart. He asked him, hey, do you love me? And he allowed Peter to express his love to Jesus. And Jesus was willing to just listen. Listening is the key to mending strained relationships. It's an important skill that we all need to learn is to just listen. Too often, instead, we feel that we have to explain or justify or rationalize what we did when really we just need to admit we made a mistake and acknowledge that we're sorry for what we did and move on. Sadly, too often we get too verbose. You know, verbose. We, we begin to talk a lot and we try to justify our actions and justify our behaviors. And, and all that really happens is we try to talk our way out of the responsibility for our actions. And we don't see any of that here in this passage. This brief exchange between Jesus and Peter was all that was needed to restore the relationship. And what I want you to see here is that Jesus didn't even bring up Peter's denial, did he? He just asked Peter, hey, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? What was he referring to? The fish? The disciples? Something else we don't really know. Peter knew. Peter knew what Jesus was talking about. He said, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know I do. Jesus just asked some great, meaningful questions and let Peter give his heartfelt reply. You know, I think we can learn a lot from Jesus here. Jesus asked some questions and then gave Peter the opportunity to express his love for Jesus to restore the relationship. But I want you to notice what Jesus did not ask. Notice what Jesus did not say. He didn't say, Peter, do you regret saying what you said? Peter, do you recognize how hurtful your words were to me? Jesus didn't say, Peter, why did you do such a thing? Why would you tell people that you don't even love me or know me? How could you say something so hurtful when I had warned you that night you were going to do it? What's wrong with you, Peter? You know what? Jesus could have said any one of those, but he didn't. 
He didn't say any of those things. Friends, if you want to restore a strained relationship in your life, it's probably best if you leave out those kind of questions in your conversation. Because those kind of questions typically don't lead to restoration. They lead to arguments and justifications and more hurtful words. As each side begins to plant their feet and argue their case. And do you realize that in this whole conversation between Peter and Jesus, there was no arguing a case. Peter, Jesus just looked at Peter and said, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Okay, that's good enough. That's good enough. Remember, the goal is restoration. Before you even have the conversation, you need to forgive the person who did you wrong. That's what the Bible tells you. You can't even read the New Testament without seeing that message come through loud and clear. We are called to forgive immediately. We forgive, release people from the consequences of their actions. Doesn't mean what they did was right. Clearly it's not. But our job is to forgive, to restore the relationship. Let's pick it back up in verse 17. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter knew exactly what Jesus was saying here. He was saying to Peter, your love for me is going to cost you your life. By following me, you're going to lose your life. And he did. He was crucified upside down. Peter spent the rest of his life telling others about Jesus. He was a pioneer in the early church. And if you remember, just about eight weeks after this beachside breakfast, it was Peter who preached a sermon on Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. Peter became a strong leader, as we see in the book of Acts, and his powerful testimony is a picture of the transforming grace of God. And really, when I see this story, it isn't about fish, it isn't about cooking, it isn't about the beach, it isn't about fishing. This story it's about grace and forgiveness and restoration. You see, this story tells us that failure is not final. It tells us that you don't have to be defined by your worst day. That there's a tomorrow. Oh sure, Peter would love to have a do-over of that day, right? And I'll bet every person in this room would love to have a do-over of a few days in your life. But we don't get that. But we can repair broken relationships. We can extend forgiveness. We can make an effort to reach out to those who've wronged us. I mean, at the very least, we can make the call and invite them to breakfast and let a conversation develop. But somebody has to break the ice to let the healing begin. So my question for you this morning is, who do you need to invite to breakfast this week? Who do you need to call? 
Who do you need to reach out to? Who do you need to forgive? What relationship in your life needs to be restored? Make the call. Let's pray. With our heads bowed this morning and our eyes closed, no one looking around but me. I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'm not going to call you out personally, but you say, you know what, preacher, I'd sure wish you'd, I have a relationship in my life that is strained or broken and boy, I would love to see it restored. In your closing prayer, would you, would you pray for me? No one looking around but me this morning, you say, preacher, that's me. I have a broken relationship. Just, just include me in your prayer. Would you just slip your hand up all around the room? Just put it up. God bless all of you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who had the courage to raise their hand this morning. God, it wasn't so I could see it. God, it was a recognition between them and you that, hey, there's a relationship that needs to be restored. And God, I pray for each person who raised their hand. God, that you would give them that courage. It takes tremendous courage to make that call. It takes tremendous courage to not try to justify and prove that they're right, but instead to just forgive and work to bring restoration to that relationship. God, I pray, I pray that this week as folks go and make that call, break that ice, extend that peace offering. God, I pray that you would mend some relationships. I pray that you would begin to put together some broken families and bring them back together. God, I pray that you would go before them, give them the words to say, and just give them a humble spirit. Give them each person who needs to make this conversation and this call. Just give them the words to say where they're just willing to say, you know what, what's in the past is behind us. What's important is the future. And God, may they just be able to extend and express their love to each other. And God, may the healing begin. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and the, and the example that he set. We thank you for your word that God shows us how we are to live our lives. We can learn so much from just watching how Jesus interacted with his followers and with the people in the New Testament. Uh, so God, just help us, I pray, to follow in his footsteps. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's all stand as we sing our final song this morning.